the way that I specifically like hold space for therapy is I think it's a genuine relationship with a professional that allows you to like to reflect and learn, grow, repair, but really it's like to live honestly into your best self. So that has to be done through a genuine relationship. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 48 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Welcome back, my friends. I am super excited to have you with me today because it's going to be a very special, very personal episode. We are sitting down with my personal therapist, Elise Snipes, who is genuinely one of the most caring, brilliant, and encouraging women that I know, and she has truly changed my life. Elise is a California-based licensed marriage and family therapist, life coach, a podcaster, and educator who is taking therapy off of the couch and out into the world, either in her adorable vintage trailer that she works from at the beach or on FaceTime, which is how her and I work together. And you may have heard of her incredible podcast, Trailer Cast, which is changing the narrative and expectations of what people think that they know about the world of mental health. And whether she's one-on-one with a client like me, moving an audience as a keynote speaker, connecting through social media, or meeting a stranger on the street, her vision remains the same. Elise wants people to have access to real ways to make a real change in their lives while having a good time. She believes in blending colorful stories from her own life with psychology principles and humor. Her goal is to meet people where they are and move them towards a place of curiosity, intrigue, and openness to new information and personal development. And everything she does is so strongly centered around that goal of empowerment, and you will totally feel that during our conversation. We really went deep about what therapy is truly like, common struggles and solutions for us millennial women, how to navigate anxiety and overwhelm, and how to take better care of ourselves from the inside out, plus something I never thought I would share in my podcast some real talk about the stuff that we have been working through in my personal therapy sessions. So get ready to feel inspired to think differently about pain, beauty, and the messiness of being human. And pro tip, if you're not driving, have the notes app open on your phone or blank doc up on your computer because I know you guys are absolutely going to love this convo and will want to start implementing some of her tips immediately. Before we jump in to the interview, let's shout out the review of the week. This one is from AshDoc6, who says, gratitude is the best attitude, five stars. Amen to that girl. She said, thank you for this podcast, Marie. My friend referred your podcast to me and it has been life-changing. You have such a beautiful soul and positive outlook on how we take care of our bodies. I can feel your self-love through everything you post and it's inspired me to live a life for myself and to appreciate my body and everything this life has to offer. You touch on all subjects, which is very very appreciated by all of your listeners. Thank you, AshDoc6. Well, Ash, thank you to the moon and back truly for your kind words because 
I'm always just so happy to hear that the messages from my guests and I are shifting your self-love and your self-care and just your entire lifestyle. Like that's really what this is all about. And thank you for seeing that and appreciating that and embodying that. And as a thank you for your review, I would love to send you a limited edition Grind to Be Grateful t-shirt. So if you're listening, AshDoc6, please shoot me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Marie E. Wold. And go ahead and tell me your size and your address so I can get that sent out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not the review of the week, you can get a chance to be featured and receive a free shirt for yourself by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. And honestly, I know that you probably always tell yourself, I'll do it next time, or my review doesn't really make a difference, does it? But it really does. And it really only takes about one minute. It means the world to my team and I. And when I say team, you guys don't even see it. But this podcast truly takes a village and there's an entire team of people working on it behind the scenes. So every rating and review helps support the work that my team puts in. And if you don't want to do it for me, then at least do it for them. Okay. All you have to do is head on over to iTunes on your phone or computer, find the ratings and review section and let us know how we're doing. It is truly, truly appreciated. Lastly, this episode is in partnership with my favorite skincare company, Tula, and Tula couldn't be more on point for today's topic because my skincare routine is such an important part of my self-care routine, and those quiet, intentional moments with myself at the beginning and the end of my day are non-negotiables. Like, it's so much more than skincare. It's like meditative. It's replenishing, recharging, and it just keeps me sane, you know? And of course, Tula products are also incredibly effective, like my My skin has never been better, you guys. Plus, they are clean, cruelty-free, and infused with skin-nourishing probiotics. You guys know I rave about Tula literally all the time. They're a very regular sponsor of the show. They're all over my Instagram stories. And as always, you can get 20% off your entire order at Tula.com with code Marie. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com, and you can save 20% by entering code Marie at checkout. Hello, Elise. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited to have you and give people a sneak inside of what our sessions together look like and what just therapy is like. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me and even being willing to vulnerably let people in to this part of your journey too. It's good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. I mean, we both know that you've helped me a lot, especially when it comes to things like processing my feelings, (laughs) learning how to get out of my head and into my heart and like just how to become (laughs) better in my personal life, my business, my relationships, like all of the things. And so I'm really excited to share you with my listeners. And I know that they're really excited to hear from you too. But before we dive in, can we cover the basics? Like, I know your story has a lot of layers, but who is Elise? What do you do? Let us let us in a little bit. (laughs) Totally. Okay. So personally, I'm just a person. I'm a person who (laughs) I love other people. I always have really deeply. I think that my like entrance into the field of psychology was just by nature, this idea of taking care of other people and wanting to have tools to help them better than just listening or being a good friend. Mm-hmm. So then professionally, I am a therapist, but I'm I'm wanting to change the narrative on how therapy is done, where it's done, who should go, what it looks like, how often do I go? I mean, all that. I just want people yeah. to have more access to better work and to not have it be like that old 
the old way of doing things once mm-hmm. a week, slow in a medical office. So I work How does that a, make you yeah. feel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then therapist just nodding and smiling. It's like, wait, where's the yeah. feedback? Where's the action? What's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, so, I know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's all good. So then I, I, the way I'm doing that mainly is I'm, I work in a vintage trailer at the beach and I do a lot of remote work with people across the nation. And then the biggest way I'm doing that is through um, these private retreats where instead of people having to go to therapy once a week, they can come away, retreat for a weekend and do like a year's worth of curriculum. So it's mm. a super intensive way to do a lot of work in a little time. And I think that's, that's been the part that's been most re- remarkable for me about this journey. Yeah, a weekend is definitely on my to-do list, but I always get so many questions from my people whenever I mention that I work with a therapist Mm -hmm. because like you said, it's something that isn't really openly talked about and the conversation is like kind of hush-hush and people also just assume that like you said, you go to like a clinic or a medical (laughs) building and like sit on a couch and just like ramble at someone, but I really wanted to turn that upside down and so let's like just start from the beginning. What is your definition of therapy and like how is that different from kind of the traditional way? And then also there isn't only one type of therapy. So how can it look and what is like your kind of method, methodology? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. Those are good questions. Okay. The way that I specifically like hold space for therapy is I think it's a genuine relationship with a professional that allows you to like to reflect and learn, grow, repair, but really it's like to live honestly into your Mm. best self. So it has to be done through a genuine relationship with somebody who knows just a little bit more than you so they can like lead Mm -hmm. you like wisely. Um, But it's relational. I think that's the part that can be missed sometimes is this idea that we are going to take therapy and have it be something that is impersonable, removed, cold, clinical, and that, that's just not who I am as a therapist. And maybe that's something that, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's so many other ways to do therapy than that. So as far as like the different types of therapy, the number one thing I think I want people to hear is that it's not just crisis counseling. So mm-hmm. I think we usually associate whether it's the stigma of like therapy is being for people that are in crisis or their parents are going through a divorce or, or the big bad stuff or for people that are messed up. But it's, Not that, and I wish that that was the stigma, because I think there's a huge group of people that just need to work on mindset and just need to work on core belief or abundance or whatever that won't go because they're afraid that they're going to be like guilty by association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even our last session to like give Mm -hmm. people a peek, like we mostly talked about how things are going well for me lately and like (laughs) celebrated that and how to, you know, like move through that stuff. And so it's not just for people who are, like you said, in crisis or going through a huge like mental breakdown or, you know, just feeling like they're really, really struggling. It's not just for that. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I, I knew and was one of the reasons why I really wanted to start therapy is that I knew that there were all of these limiting beliefs, all of these Mm -hmm. like conditioning things that I had from when I was a kid. Like I had never really talked about how I had been bullied and I had never really talked about like those deep rooted insecurities and stuff like that, that I even would not even talk about with like some of my best friends really. And one question that I got from my audience is like, how is going to therapy different than just talking to a friend. And I think like you said, it's 
like you are you're able to lead like you have mm-hmm. more tools and more mm-hmm. knowledge so if you want to expand on that because I think yeah. that's a really good question yeah and honestly like that's I, I used to do that I, I used to just be people's like good friend and mm-hmm. and I listened a lot they don't even resemble each other now like when I think mm-hmm. like when I'm with my friends I'm not a therapist <laughs> similarly, like if I'm, when I'm working with my people, I'm not just listening. Like the point is to actively listen, actively reflect and actively move people through the, the, what's the connection piece from what I believe now, where's that rooted? How can we go back, shift that core belief and then allow you kind of walk out of the dark, like into some, some new behaviors. Mm -hmm. So are there things that you can talk to your friends about? Yes, absolutely. I think that having good community is a really essential part of living well and being happy and being balanced. I think the difference is that if you haven't been trained like to hear like discrepancy or to understand the difference between is this something that is so core and so inside of you that you can't find your way out or you feel stuck, then your friends loving you, your friends giving you advice isn't necessarily going to get you unstuck. Right. Yeah. And I think too, your friends can listen to you and they can give you advice, but they don't have the tools and they don't have like the education to, first of all, like articulate exactly what you're feeling and help you refine what's going on. Like, I don't know. And it also is like, you know how to lead through it. Because again, one of the questions that I got was like, how do you know what to talk about to your therapist? Like, I'm worried that I'll go and I won't know what to say. And it's like part of your role in our work together is like to Mm -hmm. ask the questions and Mm -hmm. like help lead along the way and kind of like help tease out the things that you're kind of like, I guess, observing in me. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the part that we tend to have. Like, I so I go to my own therapist, and I know that there are things that I have that as blind spots that mm-hmm. I need her to say, like, okay, so what are you not telling me, or what what are you what are you not bringing in the room together? Because there's yeah. there are things that either we want to avoid, we don't want to talk about, or they're so painful we don't know how to put into words. And also, as people, we can be tricky. Like, we can kind of <laughs> serve up to our therapist what we want to give them, and it's the therapist's job to decide, like, okay what what else is going on here? And then mm. putting all that together and then lovingly helping to draw that person to a deeper place of truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is a good time or what would be a good indication that someone is like ready to do that work? Because mm-hmm. I think there has to obviously be a willingness from the client. Otherwise, it's not really going to be effective. So what makes someone like a good contender for going to therapy? Oh, I like that. Okay. So uh, I think somebody who is frustrated with repeating the same thing over and over again and Mm. just getting the same results, right? Like, I think getting frustrated and having some skin in the game is a really great way to look at like, ah, I'm so frustrated. I can't grow my business beyond this, or I can't, I just find myself in the same relationship over and over and over again. That shows me that there's enough reflection that they're realizing that something's got to give because nothing is changing, even though the boyfriend's names change, like the (laughs) the materialist substance is the same and it's frustrating. And they've talked to their friends and they've, they've maybe bought self-help books, you know, or follow certain people on Instagram, but it's, it's not the same as actually going in, doing the work so you can have different results. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to be willing to, yeah, admit that, first of all, that you're yes. stuck and that you need help. And then also be willing to kind of lay everything out there, or at least let someone in to like help you untangle things and yes. take action. So I'm curious, like you work with a lot of ambitious millennial mm-hmm. women, you work yep. with a lot of entrepreneurs, but just my listeners are mostly ambitious millennial women. So what are some common things that you see when you work with that specific demographic? I love this so much because I'm like, oh, yes. Okay, here they are. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. The fact that we are even talking on a podcast and the millennial women have their AirPods on and they're hustling, (laughs) it's like that right there, those women are highly motivated, intelligent, capable. So one challenge that I think happens is they know how to overflex those muscles, that sense Mm of I'm an independent woman. I got it. Like I don't, I don't really need anybody's help. Like I am doing this. And Mm. what can become underdeveloped is the internal feeling states, aware of how I'm doing, vulnerability, who will I let in, who should I let in, knowing the difference between who's a good person to let in and who's not. Mm. Um, So there's, I think that there's, again, like people who are worked out super like heavy on top and have like chicken legs, like that's... (laughs) It's like the visual of like, here's my strength. I can do, look at me. I can do all these great things. And then these super thin lethargic muscles that like just don't know how to carry the emotional weight. Yeah. We're all skipping leg day. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Because there's some scarcity in the, I think in women entrepreneurship, the idea that if someone else's success takes away from mine or I don't want to let someone know my ideas because they'll take them. And so then what happens is we kind of shrivel inside and we are defensive about either our intellectual property or creative property. Or if someone knows I have anxiety, then maybe they'll think less of me in the field. They won't hire me, won't want to work with me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So then we just isolate. And so then I think that there becomes like this surface level, I'm okay. Yeah. And this internal awareness of, does anybody even know how I'm actually doing? Mm. Yeah. Can anyone actually even see me and like understand mm-hmm. me? And yeah. Ironically, in the world of like Instagram is like this place where we're seen and then yet not at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we only show people like what, even if it's vulnerable or transparent, yes. it's still selective, you know, like mm-hmm. people are still only seeing what we let them see. And mm-hmm. so even like one of the things that I hear from my people a lot is like, I love how authentic you are. I love how open you are. And that's great. But like at the same time, I let people into an extent. But when I'm in like a rough season, I'm definitely that person that like withdraws, doesn't talk to people, doesn't like voice my feelings. I don't even always admit my feelings to myself. So like people Mm -hmm. don't see that. And social media, we think we're seeing vulnerability, but it's like selective transparency. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a difference and there's still a disconnect. That's a selective transparency. I think that's a really beautiful way to say it. And and it gets complicated because I think that there's still this idea of, I want people to see who I want to be. And then the pressure then that, because we've just set that out there, now we have to live into it. And Mm. so this is, you know, it's like a, it's a double bind. Yeah. So you set this expectation for yourself, both for you to live up to and for other mm-hmm. people to expect out of you. Yes. And then you're kind of stuck in that limbo of like, okay, how can I make this real? I'm at point A and I need to be at point B. And then like the space in between is just mm-hmm. like overwhelming and scary. Yeah. And then I think people either start crashing and burning because they either now think that 
Transparency means only sharing negative where mm-hmm. it gets like, oh, geez, okay, that's like, there's a train wreck happening on that person's <laughs> Instagram account right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, transparency can also mean sharing your successes. Transparency can also mean showing something boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have to mean that we're just highs and lows. Yeah, then I think people lose perspective too. I think that's something that maybe the millennial generation is facing. Um, inherently is that growing up with instant access to information all the time, there's a sense of, I don't need other people to solve this. Again, I can just, hey, Siri it. And which is, I mean, my kids know that. I mean, they're, you know, they understand that, hey, mom, can you ask Siri about this? I'm like, yeah. hey, why don't we think critically for a second, please? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's so I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's so interesting, like where we go to, to answer the question, we are going to an inanimate object rather than to human contact. Mm. And I think that also is reinforcing this generation of loneliness that I'm an island. I'm just, I'm really unknowable, unknown, unseeable. Uh, I, I'm just by myself. And then we have access to computers reinforcing that sense of false connectivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like I feel definitely lonely and part of it has to do with the fact that like I work from home and sometimes the only person I see is like my dog (laughs) during the day. But I have people like, how can you feel lonely? How can you feel isolated when you have hundreds of thousands of people following you in your community? And it's because you guys don't fully see me like all the way. And that's something that you just can't replace through the internet or through social media like it has to be in person and I like I've told you I have great friends all around the country and they're amazing but it doesn't replace an in-person like having a having that connection totally totally I think that's regardless of the generation that someone is a part of I think that we just desire human contact we just want we want to be connected to other people even if that's one other person some mm-hmm. people want a lot of people to be connected to, but we just need some form of genuine relationship. It's a basic human need. Yeah. But okay, so we crave human connection and we we need it. But then why are we so prone to just like numbing out? Like, for example, <laughs> if I'm standing in line at the post office, every single person is on their phone or like standing in the checkout line at Target or even at a stoplight, you look over and like the person next to you is on their phone. Like why, if we crave connection, do we like escape it at the same time? That's a great question. I think on a very basic level, our phone gives us exactly what we need. So Mm -hmm. we have carefully either curated what our phone's going to give us, but it gives us immediate reinforcement that this is, if I look at this, I'm getting like that hit of oxytocin. Mm. There's that person's poster. I can order this. I can buy that now. I can watch that now. In actual human contact and relationships, there's vulnerability. There's risk. It requires communication. We can't control the outcomes, the odds. The like It requires us to be present, to show up, and the other person. Yeah. So with, right, like with our phone, it's one-sided and it's what I want now. And that um, doesn't require as much of us as a human being. Whereas in community, communication, contact, relationships, all that, I mean, it's more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's scarier because a real face-to-face connection, you have to let them in, right? Whereas on your phone, yeah. like you just go and consume things and no mm-hmm. one's seeing what's on the other side. Like I have no idea who like 
rockstar 27 like they just liked my instagram <laughs> post and i have no idea who they are and it takes yep. more skin in the game to have a real real yep. interpersonal connection yeah well it's it, we've become very voyeuristic you know we can peeping tom watch other people's whole yeah. lives on the internet and never let them know who we are and there's that i mean that is such a bizarre construct that's happening it's like what what? <laughs> How do we know that much about somebody else and we've never met them or we don't actually right. know Right. So them? is that like, would you say that's more that we're nosy and curious or that we're craving that connection, but we're just, we're scared to, you know, make it real? Both and. Like, I think it's a sense of curiosity, a sense of we feel known by that person. And I think it's access. Never before in history have we had as much access to all people all the time, mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. People spend 65 or 70% of their time on Instagram watching people's stories, right? Which usually is like, wow. you know, their day-to-day -day life, their pets, what they ate for dinner, like all of the details that are <laughs> not like as polished and shiny as the feed. And I think that just goes to show like if people are spending the majority of their time on Instagram watching stories, they want that yeah. more raw and real connection than what they perceive it to be like on the feed. But it's still isn't. It's still curated. It's still selectively yeah. transparent, like we said. It's That also to me looks like we're on the outside mm -hmm. looking in. Like if I'm alone at my house watching someone else's story, there's a sense that like I'm recreating this idea that I don't have that person's mm -hmm. life and I'm by myself watching that thing, which I'm just going to put it out there. That's going to lead to a sense of feeling misunderstood and feeling alone and reinforcing this idea that I don't have relationships like mm -hmm. other people. Like it's. Yeah. God, and it's that it's comparison scary. trap. Like obviously mm -hmm. we talk about comparison trap in terms of like in the fitness space, like, Oh, I I don't look like her or I'm not as strong as her, but it's also yeah. like, I don't have the connections like her. I don't have the lifestyle like her and feeling not enough or worrying that yes. we'll be good enough or not. Like that's a core human fear, right? It's like feeling like you're not good enough or feeling like Primal. you're not worthy of being yeah. loved. What is that space? Why does that happen? And like, how do we move out of it? Totally. Oh gosh. Yeah. That like strikes a chord in me even hearing that. Cause I think that is as human beings, it is, it's like, it's a primal desire to be like known, seen, heard, loved for who we are mm -hmm. as we are. And then we might dress that up as in fitness, in business, in relationships, in motherhood, in parenting, wherever we find that we are good at something, we're going to push heavy into that. So we can maybe even prove to ourselves that we are good enough, smart enough, beautiful enough, strong enough, thin enough, mm -hmm. whatever, messy house enough because I'm a normal <laughs> mom enough, like whatever it is, we're trying to communicate to other people and I think really to ourselves because if we believe it, then maybe other people will believe it too. So the challenge I think is that typically right now in like pop psychology, which is kind of like just cheap mm -hmm. psychology, uh, that we tended to say like, okay go to gratitude or just do this thing. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like gratitude's a fruit of the actual work. Like you, even in your own work, like you'll naturally find yourself feeling more positive, feeling more happy, feeling more generous, uh, feeling more genuinely connected to yourself as a result of looking inward mm. and doing that big work. Then gratitude's like, it's just the response yeah. to right. the Right. It's like the symptom, not in a bad way, but it's like, it's the byproduct yes. Yes. of 
Because otherwise, if you just lay gratitude on top of a wound, you know, it's like a Band-Aid on top of a bullet wound. It'll maybe like help you ignore the problem in the immediate, but it's still there. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so there's all these people that have these like giant bullet wounds with all these like kind of cheap Band-Aids on, like, just keep going, hustle harder, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a second. Like, like what if we actually treated Mm. the wound? Like then you wouldn't need the Band-Aid. Yeah, but to treat the wound, you have to like you have to move out of being so in scarcity because I think we push through things because yes. we're afraid of like what's going to happen if I slow down, what's going to happen if I don't achieve this thing, what's going to happen if I go there, like what am I going to find? And so, I mean, personally, that's why I, I've put band-aids on my bullet wounds because that's scary to to pause and like totally. look inward, like. Ooh, I don't, this, this might be gnarly. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, maybe we can talk about that. Like the resistance to Mm -hmm. doing the work. I think sometimes the time, the financial investment, um, will I find a good therapist? Uh, Will it actually work for me? I mean, is it that big of a deal? Like, I think we have all these pre-qualifiers so that we don't have to show up or we excuse ourselves like (laughs) before Mm -hmm. we even get there. So I think, again, like that's maybe part of why I wanted to respond to this next generation that therapy can happen via FaceTime, like via the the (laughs) interwebs. So that way we can like have genuine connection and you don't have to stop your work and you don't have to like leave the office. You can shut your door and do it in your office. And even for like the time factor, it's like, yeah, I get it. You might not have an hour a week to do that. And it's like, but maybe can you get away for one weekend for the entire year? Like yeah. probably like that might be a great way to jump in and see if it's mm-hmm. right for you. Yeah. And guys, Elise is in Southern California. I'm in Texas. We FaceTime <laughs> and like she said, I literally will mm-hmm. like stop working five minutes before we talk and I'll go into my other bedroom and close the door and like we'll do our session. And then sometimes I'll like journal after and then I go back to work and it's like, it's so much more accessible than we believe it to be. And I think the money thing is like, it's very valid. And I think that's a reason why a lot of people don't seek it. But there are a lot of reasons that we tell ourselves we can't that aren't real. But beneath that surface level reason, it's really that we're afraid to do the work and we're like afraid of what we'll find. Because personally, I considered getting a therapist for probably like five years. Like I remember talking to my mom about it and we Mm -hmm. kind of were like, oh yeah, that would be good. And then neither of us really pursued it. And I was like content to not pursue it because I was like, that can be a problem for another day. Right. And I think that that idea of another day is the same thing. It's got to be similar to like, I'll start that diet some other day. I will do this some other day. And it's like, I mean, at that point, I think we're just kind of like BSing Mm -hmm. ourselves. Like, there really is no other day. Yeah, like the best time to start something is right now. <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. Just right now. Yeah. Or committing right now and then getting the resources we need. Like I think that's – so, okay, so Marie, you and I, we have like parallel mm-hmm. work, right? You're helping You're helping women. I'm helping women. We have different ways into that work, but it's very similar yeah. work when we go into that experience. Now – I know that I am not as successful on my own in meeting my fitness goals than when I have somebody who knows more, is doing the thing, is able to help me. And what do you know, (laughs) wants to help me, wants to help me so much they've created things for me to be able to use so that I can do it more concisely. And I mean, I'm like, well, 
this is why women like me need women like yeah. you. It's like, yes, this is it. Thank you for providing your, and creating your work so that way I don't have to struggle alone in my fitness journey because it's right. hard. Yeah, and it's it's the same. Like therapy is a mirror yeah. of that. And I mean, I have a business coach. I have a health coach. I have a lease. Like I have people to support me because I did stuff mm-hmm. on my own for so long, like for probably three to four years of my fitness journey, I tried to figure it out on my own. And I was so frustrated, so stuck spinning my wheels. And therapy is like the exact same thing. Like you can spin your wheels for years and feel stuck and frustrated, or you can invest and dive in sooner and just get to where you want to go a lot faster and more efficiently and with a lot less detours, I feel like. Yes. Yes. Without, with totally without detours. And ultimately, I think some things, if we were able to solve on our own, we already mm. would have. Like, right? So then it's like, well, I've tried that option. I clearly wasn't getting the results that I was actually looking for. So I need something else. And yeah. And I think that there's sometimes it's just signing up, sometimes just, just trying it, just, just getting out of our own way. So that way we can make those steps forward. And it's not forever. Like, and again, back to like our parallel work or parallel journey is an idea that there are some services that I offer that you offer that people could engage in forever, new workshops or Instagram content or podcast material or whatever. But some things that are like a sign up for sign up for your new group. Like that's not forever. The investment is worth it now to get the changes you need. And the other things that you offer support that change. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you set yourself up like for Moving or Shine, it's like an eight week program, but it gives you the mm-hmm. tools and the strategies and the support yes. that you need to like continue that work on your own. But you have to learn how to ride the bike before you can like be a triathlete or whatever. <laughs> like you have to learn how first. Right. Yes. Well, and I think too, like with, with your eight week program, there's a sense of if I can commit to eight weeks, then I am more likely to commit to myself for longer than those mm-hmm. eight weeks. So it's like the investment is a mental shift of I am choosing to focus, reorient and pivot my time, my, what I'm putting in my, in my body, what I'm putting in my head, like all of that. And I think that's why those programs are so effective is because it, it's not just a a one-time hit. (laughs) It's like eight weeks of work and then you're like, okay. I'm doing it. Like things are happening. Right. And then once you're in it, it's a lot less scary. But I think it's the same thing mm-hmm. with therapy. Again, a parallel of like before I started working with you is like I'm scared because I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know what yeah. we're going to talk about. I don't know how it's going to feel. Like just the unknown mm-hmm. is really scary. Mm-hmm. So what would you say people can expect when they start to work with a therapist Hopefully they're a cool therapist like you. Uh, <laughs> like what can they what can they expect? Because I was pleasantly surprised, and also the cool therapist thing is like I'm a cool mom. I'm not a regular mom. I'm a totally, cool mom. totally. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Let's take a quick break from self-care and talk about skincare. Of course, self-care goes far beyond face masks and bubble baths, but who doesn't love a good face mask, honestly? My current favorite is this exfoliating treatment mask from Tula, which has bentonite clay for gentle exfoliation and blueberry extract to hydrate and improve skin tone. I personally have very dry and sensitive skin, so exfoliating masks and treatments and stuff can be really hit or miss. And 
this one is a definite hit. I don't feel dry or over exfoliated at all after just like a nice healthy glow and better skin texture. And it's also this really pretty blue color from the blueberry extract. So I'm a big fan. It's perfect for those Instagram stories, you know, and I've also forced my boyfriend who has oily skin to use it. And he was like taken aback by how great his skin looked after one use. So truly it is for everyone. And I'm going to be real. I love their entire line of products that I have literally exclusively been using Tula stuff since the beginning of 2018. And I swear by them. Like I've, you know, used like some samples from other brands and stuff. And I always keep going back from back to Tula because they are my ride or die. And what makes Tula so special is that they use probiotics as a foundation for all of their products. And probiotics have been proven, obviously gut health, it, probiotics are great for that, but they've also been proven to help promote the look of skin's natural balance, locking in moisture to leave your complexion more hydrated and reducing the appearance of inflammation. And not only are the probiotics incredible for your skin, but they also only use clean, clinically proven, high quality ingredients that nourish your skin and are cruelty free. So you really don't have to sacrifice efficacy in order to get products that you feel great about using. You guys know that I'm extremely picky about what goes in and on my body. So I'm grateful to have found products that work and have really, really great ingredients. If you want to learn more about Tula products, they have this incredible, really fun skin quiz on their website, which is Tula.com. So head on over, take the quiz, browse their products, grab the exfoliating treatment mask, and be sure to use code Marie at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com, and the 20% off code is Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Now let's get back to the episode. I really do think that a connection with, with a therapist is one of the most important parts of therapy. So if like if people already have a therapist or a coach they're working with and it's like a like limp fish or whatever, it's like, it's, not, it's like not a living relationship where you actually feel cared for or known or seen or supported or championed, then no offense, like, but it's probably time to like shop mm-hmm. again because there's idea that your work is only going to go so far if you feel like you have to withhold because your therapist isn't as invested in you as you are in them. So there's that. When I'm shopping for my own therapist, I first search the internet to find out who's a therapist in my area. Do I want male or female? Is there a specialty I'm looking for? And then I look at their personal website. Then I look, if see if they're online anywhere else, like Instagram or Facebook, because I want to see what they're actually like as mm-hmm. a person. Then I'll call and find out are they available to like give me more information? Um, have they worked with um, what I'm looking for? And then if I get all the way to their office, then I would like to have the opportunity to have like four sessions that I can really get a feel of, is this going to be a good fit for me or not? But if you've done your due diligence ahead of time and actually like stalked them on, on Instagram, <laughs> you probably have a good idea of what yeah. they're about. Like, is it uptight? Is it not? Is it super professional or not? Like, what do you need? It, like, I feel like we have a great Mm -hmm. connection, but there might be your listeners who need someone who is way more straight laced Mm -hmm. and, and that's great. I think that that's 
really important for people to listen to what they need and then to make sure that they can find that reflected in a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's like finding a friend or like dating kind of, because you're not going to have chemistry with everyone (laughs) and not everyone's personality is going to match with you. Like maybe people don't want their therapist to like swear with them and come from a trailer. (laughs) Like, like I do, like, that's what I want. Totally. But (laughs) Maybe you want your therapist to be like in an in-person office setting. Maybe you want them to be more serious and more like buttoned up. Like maybe that's what's going to resonate with you the best. And it's such a personal thing and there's not one like right or wrong way. But I think it is really cool that you've kind of broken the mold (laughs) and like kind of created your own path of, you know, taking therapy off the couch into the world so that people like me who don't really want to be so serious in that work because I I don't need to be more serious you know yes exactly Uh, exactly (laughs) so I think it's great that you like have just kind of turned that on its head and like made your own way thank you thank you it's like I think there's times where it's like okay I'm I have to like listen with my heart and see where the bigger need is and it's not to be like everybody else because that's already Mm -hmm. happening and and maybe that's just a word to like entrepreneurs in general. It's it's okay to be who you are in whatever space you're in. And it's also, I think, why I like, it's why I have two other therapists on my team right now, and we'll be growing that this year as well. But I realized that there are other people that might like to work with therapists that are similar than me, but also have their mm-hmm. own strengths. And I think that's like that's part of the fun too is building a diverse team that can reach different populations. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you can't be, you can't be everything for everyone. No. And it, it's the same no, thing. I don't even want to right. be. <laughs> right. So, okay. Like you said, you work with a lot of ambitious women who are very driven yes. and strong yes. and you discuss how that plays into relationships a lot in your content. So can you tell us mm-hmm. more about like mm-hmm. your journey with that and why relationships can be really tricky for women who are kind of in that genre, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I had my ideas of what, what those strong, ambitious, hustling women would be like. And then without fail, the things that I'm, I'm looking at right now are like that, just that Mm -hmm. soft underbelly of um, women who might come in strong and very intelligent, very driven, but then a very vulnerable sense of, but I'm alone or I'm, I'm mismatched in my relationships or I'm just feeling like no one is as driven as me or no, like I just, they're lacking community. There's so many common themes. And then I think what I keep trying to do is like, if we can, maybe I can go first. Like if I can go first in letting my walls down, if I can go first in saying that painful thing or, and that's part of what my podcast is, is like just letting my own journey out, then maybe other people will be willing to like kind of jump on board with that mm-hmm. and share their hard story and see that there's beauty in that hard story and that we don't have to connect only in our strength, that we can connect in our vulnerability. We can connect in what has been difficult and find that there's super deep, genuine yeah. connection there. So I guess I just want people to be able to not have to wear one hat all the time. You don't always have to be that badass. You don't always have to be like that intense person. Like, like try on a different hat for size. Like maybe you can also be a person who <laughs> relaxes on the weekends. <laughs> you can also be a person who like, yeah, who, who plays, who lets her hair down, who is able to um, have more control over turning that volume up or turning that volume down 
in not having to just have it be mm-hmm. up all the time. Yeah, always. And like, I feel like I can speak for women who are kind of in that headspace because I think I'm maybe like the poster child for that. <laughs> but like, you can you can rely on other people and like you can ask for help. You don't always have to be the person like doing everything, figuring everything out, mm-hmm. like pushing and grinding and hustling. Like it's it's a huge relief to let go of that a little bit. And like you said, try on a different hat and like let yourself be taken care of a little bit or ask other yeah. people for oh, help. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned like through our work yes. together and have gotten a lot better yes. with. And like, guys, Elise challenges me every single week. Like, I always am like, so what's my homework? Like, what are my action steps? What do I do after this? And she's like, well, this week, I really just want you to cry. And I'm like, what? What? How? And and then next week, I'm like, so I saw this really sad dog post on Instagram. And I was sobbing at 10 a.m. And so... <laughs> And so it's like, it's not a to-do list. It's so different. Mm -mm. It's so, it's so different. And this is like, okay. So if people are Enneagram people as well, any Enneagram three, I can, I can spot them a mile away because they always ask for homework without fail. It's like this, I'm like, okay, what's my next step? And I'm like, so I want to thwart that because what happens is when, whether it's women or men, whoever are, hyper-focusing on what to do. It's like they're surfacing out of the heart work and now they're just into the head work of what can I produce next. And so then for me, it's like, okay, I need to put a speed bump in there and see if they can descend again from that mental work into that emotional work Mm -hmm. and say, well, what you might need to feel next. And you can't control it because your feelings, it's it's such a much murkier down there. So, okay, now on the flip side of that, if I have a nine on the Enneagram, someone who's a peacemaker, if I have a two on the Enneagram, who's a little bit more of a pleaser helper, then 100%, here's a concrete item that I would like you to do. And you need to do it this way because I need, there's sometimes someone needs a kick in the butt. They need less speed bumps because they're in their own way. Yeah. That's so, it's just, it's really interesting because I know that I have a lot in common with my audience typically, but we're still all so, so different where like I need to have the speed bump. I need to have the reminder to just be, whereas other people are like stuck in the being and need to be doing more doing. And I don't know, that's so interesting. Yes, exactly. And that's the difference between like a a friend giving someone blanket advice and a therapist being able to know the difference between what that person needs and giving the appropriate intervention in order to allow that specific unique person to get the results they're looking for. And you're not just coming from your own personal experience because that's typically when you're talking with a friend, they're like, well, this is how it worked for me. And that's really the only place that they can speak from. Whereas a therapist, they're not just like an advice giver. They have like tools and strategies and background knowledge around like you're this type of person so this type of thing it probably is going to work best for you and like my other client that was just like you felt this way or whatever and so it's it's a lot different than just like venting to your friend and asking for advice (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's tough love too (laughs) which I think I mean a a good friend like you would hope that they would be really honest and give you tough love but I think a therapist can be a lot more objective about it and I think it's something that you're really good at and it never makes me feel like attacked or bad or anything it's always like from a place of empowerment Mm -hmm. yes yes I think that piece of idea like tough love or just being direct or shooting straight and just Mm -hmm. again not like bsing the people I work with is 
I think sometimes therapy can get therapists maybe can get lazy and just nodding and going with what that what the person is saying mm-hmm. and it's like that's not gonna that's not helping and and or it's not helping now or not everybody has 20 years to sit with one therapist and do that and there were seasons where I was working with a therapist who I really craved her to be more honest with me or more direct with me and she wasn't and it was like gosh like at that point I realized I'd outgrown that part of our work and I needed a different therapist to work with, someone who was going to challenge me, mm-hmm. someone who's going to call me out on my staff and be like, Elise, like that is just so clearly not serving you. Or like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what, like honestly, what are you doing over there with that? And yeah, it's like, thank, like, thank you. Thank you for lo- loving me enough to not let mm-hmm. me sit in my mm-hmm. own and it's like, BS. For me, my, I need someone who's going to be an active participant in this process instead of just yes. me like talking at you. And I think that's kind yes. of a fear a lot of people have is they're like, well, I don't know what to talk about. Like, And I, I say, if you're just trying to ramble, right. like maybe journaling is a better option. Like you don't necessarily need to talk <laughs> at someone who's just going to totally. nod back at you. You need someone who's going to... Correct. be in the work with you. Yes, ab- absolutely. That yeah. is, I feel like that's mandatory. <laughs> Otherwise you can just journal or talk to a friend. The therapist has to be an active participant in order for it to be a relationship that's too, like multi-directional rather than just one person coming in and like throwing mm-hmm. at, you know stuff at the walls if it sticks. It's like we need there to be a dynamic approach and that is why it's a relationship. And that's really what we're always healing is that work of of relationships and when we have felt unseen, unheard, rejected or whatnot, and then we bring that into a personal relationship, that's why therapy is so powerful. Because if we were just doing that work again with an object or with a book or with a journal, it doesn't feel as like emotionally reparative or emotionally like um, like vulnerable. It's like, oh my gosh, a human is feeling yeah. that with me. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And for those who haven't experienced therapy, mm-hmm. like we've talked a little bit about the process and like maybe who's a good candidate, but mm-hmm. typically what can, I don't know if it's safe to say like what can they expect, but like what do you see as shifts or transformations within your clients after working with them for some time? Honestly, the way I like to look at this is how the artist and sculptor like Michelangelo, like he felt like he would look at this slab of marble and he could see what was within it. And his job was to remove the marble out of the way so that the art could come forward. Mm. And I feel that very genuinely where I'm like, I'm not giving somebody a false thing. I'm not giving somebody like, oh, this is going to be your best you over here, like clickbait or something. It's like, no, it's that's within you. I'm just trying to like clear out some of the lies or some of the things that you've been believing or some of the things that are like some memories or experiences or whatever that we can move out of the way so that the you that is already great can come forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so at this point, I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, I need a therapist and I'm sure everyone wants their own Elise, but like, sorry guys, she's full. You can't have her. But if someone is interested in working with a therapist, like where can they look? Cause I know you said like go online, look mm-hmm. for a place around you. Like what is a good place to do that? And like, do they need to do that if they're willing to work with someone online? Just where, where do therapists hang out? Yeah. Yeah. Where do therapists hang out? I know. Right. That's a great question. Okay, I do like word of mouth as well. Like, and even like this podcast is a form of word of mouth where if you know that somebody's had good results with somebody, like it's good to check out that person. Yeah. That's the oldest like form in the book is 
is just getting a personal recommendation from someone you already know who is having a good experience. For sure. But I'm going to give a massive shout out to my team. Like these are women that I have worked with and trained and watched come into their own professional development that if you are looking for therapists that have like a similar vibe, like start finding out like who they're connected to or who they're associated with. And again, like think outside the box of your own work, whether it's called therapy or whether it's called coaching or whatever it is that you're looking for. Like it doesn't have to be an ongoing, dark, drudgery, dismal type of work. Like it's, it's fast, it's action oriented, it's exciting, it's genuine, like it's, and it's available. So you can look Mm -hmm. online and psychology today is a website as well. You can search by zip code you can narrow down the search bar in regards to who takes your insurance, who doesn't, if somebody does EMDR, if they don't, all of that. So psychology today is another great avenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's that this prevailing feeling of overwhelm in mm-hmm. I think my generation, at least, like, I think there are always so many things happening, so many options, so many opinions, so many people to compare ourselves to, so many timelines we place on ourselves or we feel like other people are placing on us. And so, number one, do you like see that as a prevailing theme in Mm -hmm. millennial Mm -hmm. women? That might be the top prevailing theme because there's this sense there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. There's always something else I could be, should be, would be doing. So... Mm The way I look at that is it's like a top that's spinning out of control. And I just want to like put my finger like on the top of their head and just be like, let's like, let me <laughs> like so slow, slow you down for a second because yeah. it's like someone's running in place and they're wasting all this energy, but they're not actually moving anywhere because they're right. so, so overwhelmed in choice overload um, and option overload. And that's, that's a real Thing that's really occurring. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, my like prescription for that is you need to retreat. You need to, to get away for a significant amount of time to get perspective, to reduce that anxiety, reduce those feelings of here are the things I'm missing out on. Here are the things I'm not doing yet. All that feeling of lack to be able to take a breath, come back to self and say, okay, what is it that I actually need to be focusing on? What are the things that I'm missing? Like, so again, why I created weekends for that exact reason of I need more than an hour to sort through some of this stuff and I need Mm -hmm. to get out of my house. I need to get out of my general workflow. I need some actual space and a guide to lead me through some of the stuff so that I can get the perspective, the clarity, the tools, everything. I got the insider tips. Like how can I be more efficient, controlled, and really stepping into my power when I think about the direction that I want to be going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the the concept of like moving from being a human doing back to a human being yes. sort of thing. Yes. Which yeah. is counterintuitive and so it scary is. because you're like, I'm overwhelmed, so I should do everything do more. and like get everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really the solution is to like pause and yeah. it's terrifying. So I think that's why a lot of us are just stuck in this overwhelm spin cycle that we like can never get out of. Yeah. If we look at like Olympic athletes, so I, Michael Phelps, I was a swimmer, so I'm thinking Michael Phelps. So his stroke is exceptionally efficient. And that means that there's less output in order to have maximum results. And mm-hmm. I think what happens when we are just like this thrashing in the water and we think that we're doing all this movement that we should be moving <laughs> faster. And it's like, well, that's not yeah. the counterintuitive way again is less is more. So 
Michael Phelps, if you watch the way that he's swimming, it almost looks like he's going slow because it's such a fluid motion. It doesn't necessarily look like he's just in there and splashing and making this giant like (laughs) mess. So similarly, I think we think that we can be hustling, doing this and like, look at my list and here's all the things I got to do today and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, but what did you actually do out of curiosity? Like what actually, what did you actually produce? And are you totally dying in your field right now because you're wasting all this excess energy and you're not actually satisfied with what you're producing? Mm -hmm. That's so relatable and so good. (laughs) And I just want to end with that because it's very relatable for I'm pretty sure like (laughs) 99.9% of people listening to this. So I like to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Love it. Hit me. Okay. (laughs) Best movie you've seen recently? Oh, gosh. Um, I haven't seen movies in so long because I have three small children. So <laughs> I, I'm on, I'm not going to show. The last movie I saw, I fell asleep in the theater. So oh my God. TV show, <laughs> yeah. Shit's Creek. <laughs> okay. I've heard such good things <laughs> so about funny. it. Favorite daily non-negotiable? Coffee. Your go-to date night activity? Craft house, old fashions, and chocolate mousse. <laughs> oh, yum. Also, how do you take your coffee? We have an espresso machine because my husband is like a coffee connoisseur, so we make a latte. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Favorite girls' day activity? Beach. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have dinner with any famous person, living or dead, who would it be? Mm. Wow. Okay. I'm going to say hi. I have no idea how I would personally yeah. answer this, so yeah, I'm this sorry. Is, no, this is good, and it's actual rapid fire, so I appreciate it. First person that came to my mind was Helen Keller. Okay, cool. And then number one piece of advice that you would give to your 24-year-old self, because I'm 24. 24-year-old self. You're already good enough. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you want to cry saying that, but it's true. You're already good yep. enough. You don't need to do anything else. Yep. And then last but not least, because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast, mm-hmm. we always ask, what is one big goal that you're currently grinding for and working really hard toward? And then what is one thing that you're hugely grateful for? I love that question. Okay. I am grinding towards helping other therapists develop in this field, coaches, social workers, whoever else is in the field of mental health. So I'm wanting to help show them like how I've got to where I'm at so that way they can build their business and we can get better help to more people. Mm. And then what I'm really grateful for, I'm personally, I'm really grateful for my my family and the kids in the stage that we're in right now. Um, my kids are six, five, and three. It's fun watching us become like a family doing things rather than like, oh, and we have, we have the baby too. So now we're kind of like, we can't do all the fun things together. So I, I'm excited yeah. that we're like, <laughs> it's a great stage for my family. And that makes me feel super grateful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much again for being here. And I'm sure that now everyone has met you. They want to see more from you. So where can they find you? Where can they get your content yes. and schedule a appointment with your team? Yes, totally. Case. You can find me on Instagram at Elise Snipes Collective. My podcast is called TrailerCast because it's out of that trailer. Um, and mm-hmm. my website is just elisesnipes.com. And yeah, you can hit me up in any of those spaces. Perfect. Well, I will link her in the show notes, but Elise, thank you again for your time and your wisdom and for all of the work that we have done together. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> 
before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we are able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. This show is for you, so your feedback matters. Plus, it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind to be grateful, my friends. Thank you.